Welcome to another episode of Life Stories by Congo Kid, where I share my experiences of growing up in the Democratic Republic of Congo in Central Africa. My hope is you find knowledge, entertainment, information, and insight of another culture and a new perspective of the Congolese people and Africa. The medium of films and movies we know can have a tremendous impact on the viewer. Movies we watch for entertainment are wonderful and often inspirational. Movies hit the key sensory buttons of audio, emotional, and visual through the screenplay, the narrative, the action, and the music. When the movie Top Gun came out in 1986, the Navy saw a spike in recruitment, for example, as many that had watched the movie wanted to be a Top Gun fighter pilot. People were inspired by the story, the airplanes, the action, and the music. Documentaries are made to send a message and can influence the viewer tremendously. Often, movies have a bent and can be used to steer the viewer to the director's position on a matter. So we know the impact of how films and movies and TV have a profound influence on the viewer. But we in America have seen hundreds, if not thousands, of movies and TV shows in our lifetime. However, imagine never before seeing a movie or film or TV show. Can you gauge the emotional and sensory impact on the mind of the viewer of never having seen an image and hearing the sound of a story being told with the music to accompany that through the medium of a film? Multiply our normal American takeaway from watching a flick and multiply that by a hundred. My dad, Roger Eales, saw this medium as an opportunity to influence people's hearts to people in the Democratic Republic of Congo in the late 1960s through the early 1990s. Most of the people who saw the films he showed were watching a movie for the very first time ever. None had watched so much as a television show. This spectacle of a huge image, larger than life, with action, narrative, music, and a story was mind-blowing for the villagers deep in the jungle of Central Africa. When news spread that Mr. Roger was coming with his gospel team to show a film, villagers from miles around would come. For the screen, the host village would have prepared two tall poles, often 20 feet high, and Dad would tie the bedsheet from his cot between the poles. This way, the film image could be projected onto one side of the sheet and show through so the image could be seen from the other side. This allowed a larger audience. People were impacted by the movies they saw. They were in awe, watching something for the very first time. The hearts and minds were changed forever by the showing of his movies. What started on a small camping lantern with a projection lens, moved to a rudimentary battery-operated film strip projector, then grew into an organized production of 16-millimeter reel-to-reel and a PA system able to reach hundreds of viewers each showing. He also used VHS videos on a TV in the late 1980s to show movies in his home. So to hear how it started and to follow the journey of this impactful ministry to spread the gospel, I've asked Roger Eels, my dad, to share his story. I'm here with Roger Eels, my dad, and today's episode is going to be talking about the film ministry that he started in the 1960s and carried through until he left in 1990. And so the first question is, what motivated you to start showing films? In 1966, my wife and I, our first term, we were on a mission station with two other young couples. They had a couple of small kids like we did. 
And the other two couples were always getting together for coffee and et cetera. And we kind of felt left out and, and that I was frustrated by that. And I shared my frustration with another missionary. Her name was Addie Spring, a nurse. She had been at Andala. And she said, Roger, did you come to Congo to drink coffee with missionaries or did you come to serve the Lord? Uh, that really hit me. I came, of course, to serve the Lord. So I decided that it was about time I got involved with the Africans. And so that's when I joined up with a Congolese elementary school teacher on our station. His name was Timothy. He had a heart for evangelism. And so we began village evangelism on the weekends. And it was then that I found a film strip projector and started to use it. So tell us a little bit about how you started and where you started and the equipment for showing the film. Well, there was a single missionary lady on our station and she had a Coleman lantern, you know, one of these pressure lanterns for camping and uh, attached to it was a lens and uh, you could use film strips and show films with it. And so Timothy and I, we would go out to the villages and uh, use this Coleman lantern. And so that's how it worked. Uh, then uh, later on, when I was teaching at the Congolese High School, I formed a high school student uh, gospel team. We went out to the villages. And again, on Saturday nights in the village, we would use film strips. At that point, I had an eight flashlight battery operated projector, which I used. And then later on in the 1970s, I found a 12 volt battery which uh, used a truck battery, a 12 volt projector that used a truck battery to show the film strips. We would get the villagers to bring in a couple of poles. I had a uh, bed sheet that I would use for the screen and the students, they would explain the film strips in their local tribal language, the Mbaka language. When I was in high school, I remember that you would show a film called Suzanne to high school students that would come to the house. So tell me a little bit about how you got the idea, how you implemented it, and what it meant two nights a week at your house. Well, after teaching about 10 years in the church high school in Gemina, it's about 1980, I began to realize that I was doing a fairly good job evangelizing students at my school, but there were another 16, 17 high schools in the city of Gemina with, I estimated, about 5,000 students. And the Lord said, uh, what are you doing about those students? So I didn't know exactly how to reach those kids, but I found a 16 millimeter film projector in one of our mission storerooms. And with it were some Moody Science films and a French movie made in the Ivory Coast called Suzanne. A good story about university kids, boy-girl relationships, play the guitar and all that stuff. Anyway, I began showing these movies to students. And during the 1980s, I would invite each high school, ninth through 12th graders to my house twice a week and show them Suzanne and a science movie. And over a period of the school year, I had about 2000 students into the house about 50 times. So that's how I got started with the movies project. So how many total high school kids do you think saw that movie in your house? 
Uh, over a period of eight years, the 1980s, I showed Suzanne about 284 times to almost 20,000 students, either at my house or at schools or even at churches. During the movie, were there any particular parts in the movie that surprised you based on how the crowd would react at different parts of the movie? Well, your mom and my wife, Sally, she was a mission bookkeeper when we lived in Gemina then. And she would take the Tuesday or Thursday evenings and work in her office on the bookkeeping while I showed the movies in the living room. And she always knew where in the Suzanne film we were because she would hear a roar when Jacques and Francois, the two university boys, had a fight in their university dormitory room or another roar when Suzanne was killed in a motorcycle accident with Francois. So she knew exactly where we were in the film. Tell me about the Jesus film, which was a French version. How did you hear about it? How did you get your hands on a copy? How did you start showing it? And what were the equipment that you needed to show it in the various locations? Uh, I was in Bangui, Central African Republic at the uh, 1984, and there I heard about the Campus Crusade film called Jesus based on the book of Luke, and it was in French. And so within a few months, I had a copy in the French. Uh, at that time, uh, it wasn't in Lingala, our national language at the time, but it was in French. And so I began using the film in my home and churches and then to schools. Uh, when I went out to the villages or other places that didn't have electricity, I had a generator for electricity. Again, I used the bed sheet for the screen. And I remember my first time taking the film to a village, and that was in June of 1985. Now, we used the village church, which was the first thing that was wrong because you couldn't get enough people in that church to see the movie. And so um, it took many showings in the villages to know exactly how to set things up to have a successful showing. I had two high school students of mine as the translators, and they would explain the French film, the dialogue into Lingala had a loudspeaker system. And when we were in the village, uh, they would sit in the back of my pickup truck. They had the uh, speaker from the projector right at their feet and a microphone that they could explain in Lingala. The crowd was kept on the other side of the sheet, far away from our truck, because people thought that they had to be right next to the projector to see best things. The generator was placed as far away as possible because of that noise. So basically, that's how things set up and uh, how it worked. One of the students who helped with the translation work in the villages while a high school student in the 1980s was Nubako Selenga. Nubako went on to become an ordained pastor then president of the local denomination of 600 churches in Northwest Congo for eight years. Now he is a missionary with Reach Global, serving in Kinshasa, the capital of Congo, working with pastoral leadership training and church planting throughout the continent. He also helps with a new boys program, and he supports his wife and her ministry called Tabitha Center, which helps prostitute girls, getting them out of that life and training them on life skills. He shares about his role. Thank you, Jeff. Um, I had uh, two main roles. My first role was being the leader of the Jesus Film team with Roger. And uh, my second role was uh, translating the film into Lingala and also 
Mbaka, my mother tongue language. He found it fulfilling in the following ways. It was always a joy to see people making decisions and accepting Jesus Christ as their Lord and his Savior. The experience to become a pastor was influenced in part by his role in the film ministry. He explains thusly. Because of these experiences, the desire of reaching people for God started to grow in me later by letter, and finally pushed me to decide to become a pastor. So it seems for me that it was a preparation for uh, my colleagues to become pastor. He further shares how that time has impacted his current ministry. He continues on with his answer in Lingala. It's rather lengthy, so I will translate it and summarize it for you. He essentially said that Mr. Roger worked with him in discipleship and mentoring to build his foundation and base for serving as a pastor. He now looks back at how God was preparing him for ministry as a pastor, and now as a missionary by the time spent with Mr. Roger, was studying Emmaus Bible courses and translating the film at numerous showings. He summed it up as follows. God put Mr. Roger in my life to help me become who I am today, and I thank God for that. A lot of these people had never seen a movie before, so no doubt there were scenes that sparked all sorts of reactions. What were some of the scenes that you remember always generating a reaction from the viewers? The film was two hours long. It had four reels of 30 minutes apiece, and we had crowds of 500 people, 1,000 people, and one time I even estimated 3,000 people who would be there, and they would always react to certain scenes. Uh, There's a scene where Jesus is tempted in the wilderness and Satan comes as a snake and the Africans are just afraid of snakes. And then there was a scene when the pigs were sent over the cliff by the demons and that gets a big roar. And then, of course, the crucifixion scene of Jesus being nailed to the cross. These were the big uh, reactions where the people responded. So at the crucifixion scene, what were their reactions? How did they respond? Uh, There was a weeping and a wailing. There would be crying out. Uh, I remember times being away, not too close to the crowd, and and I could hear them crying. Uh, there There was definitely weeping and wailing. So did you take the Jesus film not only just to local villages or in the forest and jungle, but did you also use it in any wide crusade type events? Actually, there were three. Uh, In the spring of 1987, a dozen churches in in Gemina got together. Uh, We got them together, and uh, we used the film as a crusade, taking the movie to each of these churches in the city. The film was shown 17 times over the month of April and May 1987, and we estimated about 20,000 people among the 80,000 in the population in Gemina saw the film. And then in April of 1989, I showed the movie six times. I went to uh, the second largest city in our area, Labengi, showing the movie to about 7,500 people then. 
And then the third crusade was in November also of 1989. And I went to our border town of Zongo up by Bangui, Central African Republic. And in that town, we did four times showing the movie to about 7,000 people. So obviously there were logistical challenges with showing the film that was narrated in French and translated into Lingala or a local language. Were you there when they ultimately came out with the Lingala version? No, I wasn't. I think it came out in the 1990s and we, we, we came back from Congo in 1990. So no, I, I never used the Lingala, but it exists now and I think it's being used now in the area. Do you have a tabulation of how many showings of the Jesus film and approximately how many people saw it during your tenure? For me personally, I showed the Jesus film about 260 times and I estimated about 122,000 people saw the film. I took it to about 125 villages and churches. And most of these people in the villages had never seen a movie before. So it was really a humbling experience for me to realize that their first movie they saw in the villages, they were hearing the gospel of salvation through Jesus Christ. Other colleague missionaries used the film also while I was on furlough and then after I left in Congo. So I think perhaps there was good over, well over 200,000 people that saw the movie by the time uh, our free church missionaries left Congo in 1996. Overall, from 1980 to 1990, I showed movies, whether it be the Jesus film or the Suzanne film, about 670 times. And curiously, I'm a man of figures, that came to about 1,200 hours of running a projector. Wow. Your journey started in the 1960s with a Coleman lantern with a lens on it, moved to battery-operated film strips, moved to showing the Suzanne film in your home using VHS to 16-millimeter reel-to-reel out in the villages. Quite a journey. What are some of your takeaways? Anything you would have done differently? Maybe share what your satisfying experiences were or what some of your frustrations were in that journey. Well, I do thank the Lord for the opportunity to serve him through that film ministry that did evolve uh, during my 25 years in Congo. I can only say that uh, eternity will tell how many people came to Christ through the films. It wasn't always easy going to villages. Uh, sometimes we would set up and the rain would come and prevent us from showing the film. Uh, I remember one time we were going to a village on the Congo River and I was in a dugout canoe. We were delayed and we didn't arrive in our destination until 11 o'clock at night. And of course, at 11 at night, needless to say, the villagers were all asleep. But when I talked to the pastor, he said, no, no, we're going to see the movie. And so he had people go up and down the village road there and says, uh, Phil Mukumi, Phil Mukumi, the film has arrived. And so we set up the projector and finally finished the film about uh, 1 a.m. I'm always humbled when I hear about how God has worked through those films. I talk about uh, getting glimpses of heaven. In other words, I hear about things that God did that I had no clue about. I get glimpses of heaven sometimes. I, I think of a student by the name of Kopo 
who I came across, um, who was a student in 1989, not my student in another school. He came to the Lord through the Jesus film. He went on to become a pastor. And then I think of another student, Glassy, who also came to the Lord through the Jesus film. And now he's an evangelist in Cape Town, South Africa. It's been a real humbling experience to be used of the Lord in showing those movies. You left in 1990, 1991, and did not return to Congo, but served in other capacities till your retirement. Has the film ministry continued on after your departure? And if so, how? I'm learning about how God has led former students to take up some of the things that I was doing. For example, in 2018, I got a, an email from Lonzeke, who was a student of mine in 1988. He has become a pastor and a chaplain for students at the, in the city there of Gamana. And he wrote to me that he was showing the Jesus film using a DVD, his computer, and he had a projector. So I helped him out with a generator, a loudspeaker system, so he could go into the villages, and that's what he had been doing. So it was amazing that he was going to the village and doing what I was doing 30 years ago. And then I learned he uh, goes to the villages, but uh, he goes on a motorcycle. So I have a picture of him on his motorcycle with the loudspeaker, a generator, his projector, all piled in the back of his motorcycle. And then uh, last year, I learned that some of my former students in the 1980s were organizing an evangelistic outreach center in Gemina using the same ministries that I had used with them 30 years prior. Discipleship programs, the films, Bible studies, and even teaching English. And so there's a cultural center now in Gemina. It was dedicated in December of 2019. And it has three or four of my former students from the 1980s who are directing the programs as an outreach for the student population of Gemini today. So those are some things that are going on since I left. Dad took his skills as a teacher, used this film ministry to spend time with and mentor hand-picked kids into Christian leadership roles, many of whom went on to become pastors and church leaders. Exhibit A is Pastor Salenga that just shared his experiences. Dad saw the effectiveness of movies and how they could impact so many people, and he went for it. He drove countless miles on the main roads and then through miles of jungle paths to remote villages, toting his film projector, a generator, and a small PA system so people could have exposure to the life story of Jesus Christ. He even traveled by dugout canoe to remote locations. He knew lives and hearts would be touched and changed. He also allowed his home to be taken over by thousands of high schoolers two nights a week to watch a movie with 40 to 50 at a showing. The legacy of his film ministry is that there are hundreds and maybe even thousands of changed lives from having seen the movies that he knows nothing about now, but will one day when he gets to meet them. Furthermore, recently some of his former gospel team members and other students have decided to follow Roger Eels' use of films in their ministry to impact the people of Northwest Congo. They have formed a cultural center that focuses on having a library for lending books, it's the only library in the region, by the way, teaching English, teaching information technology, showing of Christian films and videos, offering dinners where people come to meet and discuss faith and science, having discipleship training for new believers, and putting on English church services. What he failed to mention in the interview with him was the actual official name of the cultural center. The official name is the Centre Culturel Roger Hills de Gemena, 
which translated from French is the Roger Eels Cultural Center of Gemina. The fruits of his film ministry made a huge impact on people's lives 30, 40, and 50 years ago. And now, fast forward to 2020, his work continues on through some of his former students, impacting hundreds and thousands of people. Dad, what an incredible legacy. Well done. So that's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it and will join me again. Other episodes and blog articles on a variety of topics can be found at congokid.net. In addition, Life Stories by Congo Kid Podcasts can be found on Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. I'm Jeff Eels, a.k.a. Congo Kid, your humble host. Until next time, I send you off with a farewell in Lingala. Paninga nangai, tikala malamu. My friends, stay well.